Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. Welcome to the show. We've hit week 16 of the regular season. It's Christmas weekend. The Cowboys are 10-4. and 4. KD, it's a good time to be a fan of the star right now, right? There's there's no complaints. This is this is a good week for the Cowboys in a lot of different ways. Oh, trust me. If you're a fan of the Cowboys, you can find a way to complain <laughs> about pretty much anything. So uh, we're, we're going through that. I had to chastise a couple of fans here and there on Twitter uh, about not being as excited about where this team is right now. But overall, it's just a very good place to be. The team is now 10-4. and four. Uh, They've won three games in a row. They seem to have come out of the doldrums of November, and they have an undefeated December right now. Uh, they have moved up the NFC ladder when it comes to playoff positioning, are right there in the hunt for the number one overall seed. And as I try to explain to people, they have the there's only one team in the league that has a better record than them. There's no team in the league that has a better conference record than them. And they're really high up there on pretty much every advanced analytical uh, statistical category. Uh, so really, it's, it's not much to complain about. Are there things that can be improved? Of course. But overall, this is a great place for the Cowboys to be in right now. Yeah, I mean, the only thing to nitpick is that the offense isn't scoring 35 a game. But, I mean, 4-0 in the division. They're about to clinch that thing. The Cardinals lost to the Lions, Katie. Somehow, right? The Cardinals lost. The Bucks <laughs> lost. The Bucks got shut out at home by the Saints. And the Ravens, I mean, it was almost a trifecta, right? The Ravens almost pulled off the upset at Lambeau Field without Lamar Jackson. That would have been the, the trifecta. But the, the two of them happened. The Cardinals lose, the Bucks lose, and right, the Cowboys, their conference record is so good that they shoot right up to the number two spot. So that head-to-head with Tampa Bay doesn't really matter at this point. So uh, this is a good thing, right? This is a good thing. The um, yeah. projections have the Cowboys, what, greater than a 99% chance to win the division and I think they're up to you know closer to twenty percent to to get that number one seed. It's it's not done yet. Got to have to catch the Packers, but uh, come on, man. I, how do you nitpick this thing, right? I, I guess if people aren't happy, yeah, the only people not happy are the Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, and Amari Cooper fantasy owners, right? Those are the only people that aren't happy. Yeah, yeah. If you're rooting for them in fantasy leagues, it hasn't been pretty. The offense hasn't been scoring at the rate that they were at the beginning of the season. But uh, you nailed it. I, I've I've done all the calculations and the Cowboys basically for them not to win the NFC East, Philly would have to sweep their last three games. Uh, the Cowboys would have to lose their last three games. And then a series of six teams would either have to all win out or lose out, depending on which side of the equation are on. Uh, and we're talking about teams like New England would have to lose out. The Chargers would have to lose out. Minnesota would have to lose out. And the Lions and the Jets would have to win out in order for the Eagles to have a chance to win the last tiebreaker. So it's a wrap when it comes to the NFC East. Uh, and the Cowboys have bigger, uh, bigger sights. They're clearly chasing this number one seed. And if Baltimore had just, I, I can't fault Huntley because you know for where for where he is as a backup, the he game balled, that he played man. against yeah, the he Bay, balled. 
but he absolutely missed a wide open Hollywood Brown on the two point conversion. He had laser vision on the tight end on Mark Andrews yep. did not see Hollywood Brown come open in the back of the end zone for the easy two point conversion. Uh, and that would have been the, the chef's kiss, the, 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 the ice cream on top of the pie of a tremendous uh, weekend for the Cowboys. But, they still have a chance. Cleveland could upset Green Bay. Uh, Minnesota could upset Green Bay. And as long as they don't end up just in a only two-team tie with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if there's another team tied with the Cowboys and Tampa Bay, then the Cowboys will be able to pull ahead of them in the tiebreaker scenario. So a lot of things that are in play, but with three weeks to go, you can't help but, be, but feel positive about where the Cowboys are right now in their chances to host multiple playoff games if they can win them no doubt at all and, and i guess if we are picking nits the offense they didn't need to risk anything on offense in this game because the giants are just so bad that the mismatch between the giants offense with mike glennon and this cowboys defense it was like laughably one-sided that matchup and the cowboys on offense they could have just kicked a, you know a bunch of field goals and it would have been fine right and i think we saw that at the end of the first half the head coach made a point to just kick the field goal at the end of the first half, maybe he saw the way that game was going, KD. He could probably see the mismatch brewing on defense. <laughs> Mike Lennon, like, I thought Mike, Mike Lennon was throwing the ball to the Cowboys half the time, it seemed. What the yep. hell was he doing? He was, that was terrible. Uh, so, I mean, what did you, what'd you make of that, though? The, uh, the coach's decision to, to not sell out for the six, but settle for that three at the end of the first half. I, I know fans aren't happy with that one at all, and I'm, I'm sure you probably weren't happy in the moment, but how about now after a few days to kind of decompress on it? You actually just stole the words that I was going to use to describe it. In the moment, in the moment is the perfect way to describe it. Because in the moment, I was like, you know, what are you guys doing? You're not calling the timeout. Get the extra play in there. But then when you sit back and think about it, it harks back to what I've been talking about. The Cowboys are being conservative in games that they don't need to put anything out there. It's in their play calling. It's in their decision making. It's in pretty much every fiber of their being that they're being conservative. Now, they have to make sure that they turn the faucet back on before the end of the regular season. I don't think that you can go into the playoffs, especially if you earn that bye week, without really cranking up your offense the way that you want to see it. So I have a feeling they probably feel secure that they can get this victory over Washington without doing too much. But the following week against Arizona, I think you're going to see the return of the, you know, all gas, no breaks, no holds barred Cowboys offense. Uh, but it feels pretty good that I talked about this, you know, several weeks ago, uh, over a month ago, that that could be what we're seeing. And now it kind of feels like everybody's on board. Jerry Jones first admitted it. Now the coaching staff is kind of admitting it, that they're only doing what's necessary to win these games that they should be able to win without really lifting more than two fingers. Uh, so it, it's pretty exciting to see that be the case. But with that being said, there are still things that are very wrong with the Cowboys offense right now. Um, Dak Prescott's decision-making has been better. And he finally was just kind of taking what the defense gave him. But there was a play where he clearly was not taking what the defense gave them. And it ended up being a, a, a turnover. He got strip sacked when he did not get rid of the ball. The CeeDee Lamb blocked the defender, the pass rusher behind Dak. Dak held onto the ball so long that the pass rusher was able to come back around, knock the ball out from the back. He was clearly trying to get the big play in that game. And he's done that in the past. Um, so, so we are starting to see some of those things, but outside of those decisions that he's making, and honestly, those are happening in parts of the game where the game is pretty much already wrapped up. He's not making these mistakes early in the game. Like he did against Washington when he overthrew CD lamb and it was picked off by Landon Collins. You know, that was 
a different type of mistake, but not trying to do too much. Some of these things that he's doing are happening later in the game where the game isn't really on the line. Like the, the pick six against Washington, the game was not on, on the line right there. So as egregious as it wasn't, and, and it made the game close, it wasn't a game-changing play. It just made things a little bit closer than they needed to be. This, in the, the forced fumble, the strip sack against the Giants this past weekend, wasn't in the position that the Cowboys were going to lose the game when he was trying to do too much. So I think as long as they can get keep that under wraps and then also now start to press the issue when it comes to uh, forcing the defense to bend to your will as opposed to just taking what they give you over these next couple of weeks, I think the offense will be just fine by the time they get to the playoffs. For now, let's just lean on the defense. Let them eat, right? Let them dominate. Yep. Mike yep. Lennon and the freaking the Giants are turning to to Jake Fromm I think at this point so it's that's where the they Giants, have to that's yeah they the, have to that's where the Giants are at Mike Lennon the Cowboys uh, destroyed Mike Lennon's career in that game uh, so, yeah shout out shout, shout out to Dan Benton I know yeah, he's suffering yeah poor Dan I talked to him this morning he's not doing well uh, okay so how else are you feeling about the Cowboys heading into Week 16 there there was some roster moves right we're getting Osa back from the COVID list they opened up the the practice windows for a couple different guys Josh Ball. Uh, an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, T.J. Vasher. So how are you feeling about some of the roster moves going on and, and where the team's at heading into uh, Week 16 here? Yeah, very good to get Osa back. I imagine that by the end of the week, uh, it's already Wednesday when we're recording, but I imagine by Friday or Saturday they'll be able to activate Tristan Hill. If not, then he definitely uh, should be back. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have any complications, uh, but he should be back at least by the Arizona game, which will be big uh, to have that defensive uh, interior rotation at full strength. Um, but the biggest news for me is the activation of the practice window for Josh Ball. And for Cowboys fans who might not remember, Josh Ball has a very controversial past. He was a controversial pick, uh, and it did not go well in his first press conference in addressing those domestic violence accusations because he actually ended up transferring schools uh, based on a series of domestic violence accusations that I don't believe he ever denied, but he kind of just said in his opening press conference with the Cowboys, you know, I'd like to put all that st- kind of stuff behind me. It is what it is type of situation. That's unacceptable. Yep. Not, not what we And want I have here. a feeling, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that the Cowboys have redshirted him and kept him on IR. He had an ankle injury, which clearly isn't going to be a five month injury. But I have a feeling that the Cowboys kept him under wraps because of that fact that they kind of want some of the stink to wear off of the pick uh, and kind of fly him under the radar. So they've opened up the three-week window. I don't think he's going to play for the team this year, but it does give them the chance to put him in practice, have him uh, you know, practice against NFL-level, uh, NFL-caliber players. Clearly, the defense is top-notch. So he'll get some opportunities against uh, some strong competition and kind of wean him into the off-season program. The Cowboys do not want to go into next year with Terrence Steele and uh, Ty Naseki as being the primary backups at the, at the swing tackle position, at the backup tackle positions. Josh Ball should theoretically be at least better than Naseki and in competition with Terrence Steele. But I think the opening of the window is more about getting him acclimated so that he can go into the offseason feeling some level of confidence. He's been in the weight room. He's been doing, you know, meeting stuff and all that kind of crap that goes along with being on IR. But he has not been out on the field. And they're going to take the opportunity to do that as well. But I don't think it's to activate him at any point this season. It's more so just to get some, uh, get some reps under his belt before they go into the offseason. Interesting stuff right there, as always. And uh, another topic I wanted to cover this week, Katie, is Jalen Smith, how you felt about him wearing a Giants uniform. But I'm going to save that for our next segment, our questions of the week. 
Let's do that right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com. Let's go through some strong plays to help get you into the championship round. Quarterback Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals versus Baltimore Raven. The last time these teams met was in week 7 in Baltimore, and Burrow exploded for 416 yards on a trio of touchdown strikes. However, he's coming off his worst showing in more than a month, and it's understandable gamers are a little bit nervous. He has a get-right game against a Ravens secondary that has been hampered by injuries and is even weaker than it was the last time they met. Look for another huge showing from the 2020 number one overall pick. Running back James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars at New York Jets. Another highly talented player who's been a little bit shaky over recent weeks. Robinson has a matchup that is elite. The Jaguars are committed to Robinson now that Urban Meyer isn't in the picture, and it should only get better in Week 16. Running backs have averaged the third most yards on the ground against this defense in 2021, and no team has given up more than 16 rushing touchdowns behind the 23 allowed by the Jets. There's a huge opportunity for a late-season surge from the second year back. Green Bay Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard versus Cleveland Browns. In Week 14, it was Lazard who functioned as the number two target for Aaron Rodgers. Last Sunday, it was Marquez Valdez Scantling leaving the former Cyclone to finish the day with 20 yards on two catches. He should have had a touchdown in the fourth quarter, but Rodgers overshot him. On Christmas, Lazard might be in position to deliver a big game with MVS on the COVID list, although a speedy teammate could clear the protocol, so keep tabs on the situation. Lazard is an interesting risk-reward option thanks to the consistent double teams on Devontae Adams, just as long as Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't in the picture. Noah Fant, tight end, Denver Broncos at Las Vegas Raiders. Drew Locke is likely to start for the injured Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos really can't get much worse in the passing game, but we like Fant to finish in the top five among his positional mates. Fant has posted 50-plus yards in consecutive games, and he has at least four catches and 50-plus yards in three of the last five. He hasn't scored since week six, but that came against this matchup. Play Fant if you don't have a clear option for more points, but the matchup is among the best of the week. Best of luck getting to the championship round, and have a Merry Christmas. For award-winning tips, news, information, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's USA todaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's that time of the program for our questions of the week. It's a lightning round for KD. Three questions that he was not prepped on. And here's number one. This is just a, a shameless plug. This is for my own fantasy purposes, my own fantasy team. I mean, I'm in the semifinals here, Katie, and I, I almost lost because of Amari Cooper's two-catch eight-yard performance. He almost killed me. I was able to overcome it. You know, I was able to overcome it. But I've always been in fantasy. I've always been like a always-start-your-studs kind of guy. I want to keep Amari Cooper right. in my lineup. But is he startable right now for you, right? In his last five games, he's maxed out at 51 yards. Uh and, and th- those counting on him, like me, to torch the Giants, that it didn't happen. 
And, uh, you know, he just doesn't look – like, they keep throwing these short passes to him, and he just doesn't look as explosive to me. And I don't know if it's the COVID thing. I don't know if it's all these injuries that have piled up. But Amari Cooper doesn't look like the same stud that he's been in the past couple seasons with the Cowboys. Should I keep rolling him out there? Should we keep counting on him? Do you think he's going to bust out of this slump here soon? Yeah, it's – um. It's been a little bit troubling, but I think the fact still remains that defenses are honoring Amari Cooper like there's nothing wrong with him. They're not watching the film. They're not, you know, coming into the game and saying, oh, we can let Amari Cooper go free. He's still getting double teamed at an alarming rate. Uh, They're still paying attention to him the way that they have in the past. So if opposing defensive coordinators don't think anything's wrong with Amari Cooper, then I probably would lean towards there not being anything wrong with Amari Cooper. The issue is that the Cowboys are no longer being risk takers. They're not throwing to people in double coverage and they're not uh, throwing the ball deep, which is allowing, uh, well, I guess it's chicken and egg, the deep zones and they're not taking chances. So they're not throwing the ball deep, which means that the underneath is kind of clogged up because they want to get Amari Cooper these passes where he can get some yards after the catch. And it's, you know, which comes first and all that kind of stuff. But essentially the Cowboys passing offense is not operating at the way that it was prior to uh, you know, the the game against Atlanta. Atlanta was the, the last game that they've really exploded on offense and has been kind of in the doldrums since. Clearly, when they were playing without both Cooper and Lamb, things went sideways and it's been tough for them to reintegrate since. Defenses are definitely playing them differently. Uh, so if I were you, I I might just, if you have other options, go someplace else. For this game, get to whatever, you know, whatever finals that you're in, because if depending on how your league is set up, week 17 might be your finals as opposed to a week 18 or you might have one of those two week finals, 17 and 18. I would trust Cooper more against Arizona, which is a much better team in Washington than I would against Washington, just simply by the fact that I don't think the Cowboys are going to pull out all the stops in this game on offense. I don't think they need to. Yeah, it's it's good advice. My, my other options, Marquise uh, Brown, who you mentioned, Hollywood Brown but he gets like 10 catches for 30 yards and it's not a PPR league. So it's like, it's hard for me there. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 But I could, I could, um, I could either move Amari to the bench or, or come up with a different flex guy, but I want to start Cooper. I've started him every single week, but you know, I've been winning despite his poor performances lately. Uh, but okay. I'll, I'll so, do that on my own time. Can, can we, can, can we, can we talk about the fact that you're in a non PPR league? I didn't yeah. even know that those still exist. Yeah, no, this one's a dinosaur league, man. I've been in it forever and I can't, <laughs> I can't get out of it. Yeah, I'm like, can we at least go to half PPR guys? What's, what's going on here? Right. Something. No, if you get to a hundred fantasy points in a week, it's like you celebrate. It's unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah. All so, right. All right. Anyway, question number two, the giants signed Jalen Smith, Katie to their practice squad. Then they promoted him and they put him on the field. And uh, I was talking to Dan Benton of the uh, Giants Wire, and uh, Jalen was like one of their best defensive players in this game against the Cowboys, in his opinion, and you probably agree a little bit. So uh, what was it like, A, to see Jalen in a Giants jersey, and B, what did you think of him kind of dapping it up and doing all that with his former Cowboys teammates at the end on the Giants home field? It was everything that you could have expected out of Jalen Smith's debut with another team. (laughs) Everything that the Cowboys fans have complained about, with Jalen Smith, he was doing it. He was celebrating what other guys were doing, uh, even if he didn't have anything to do with the play. He was hamming it up. Uh, he, you know, he, he didn't really care about the context of what was happening. There were times where Giants defenders and uh, Cowboys offensive players were mixing it up, getting into a scrap, and Jalen was off to the side saying hi to everybody. It was just a phenomenal Jalen Smith game. And then the icing on the cake 
was the Landry shift that the Cowboys do to pay homage to the great legendary coach Tom Landry when they have the ball and they're kneeling down to, to stop, to, you know, to run out the time at the end of the game. They do a shift where all the offensive linemen stand up at the same time and then reset. And Jalen Smith kind of celebrated the victory with them from the defensive side of the ball. It was a beautiful Jalen Smith game. But honestly, he did play well. As, as far as his actual performance in the 17 or so snaps that he had in the game, he played fairly well, and it earned him a permanent promotion up to the Giants practice squad. So, look, I don't have anything against Jalen Smith personally because I've never met the dude. We don't have any kind of interactions. So all of those frustrations that I had with his playing the field, they're now gone. By all means, I would love for this dude to have a meaningful career moving forward. If it happens with the Giants, so be it. More power to the guy. I wish him a lot, a lot of luck. Yeah, just for the record, Dan Benton hated Jalen Smith's first game with the Giants. KD loved it. So that's just for the record right there. Yeah, <laughs> Jalen Smith and Jake Fromm, are, uh, they could be both starting in this game against Philly this weekend. So that's that's where it is for the Giants. Again, uh, poor It's Giants. what that organization deserves. Yep, yep. It's, it's what that's, they deserve. That's where they're at. All right, question number three. Uh, just a little playoff question. Buy or sell the Cardinals as serious contenders right now, KD. They flopped in Detroit. They lost the game to the Lions. And even the Bucks. you could throw them in there too because – not only did they lose at home to the Saints a chance to clinch their division, but they also lost Chris Godwin for the season, who I think that, you know, other than Tom Brady, that's the one guy they can't afford to lose, Chris Godwin. He's, he's out for the year with the ACL. So buy or sell those two teams as uh, serious contenders now. I would probably say sell the Cardinals and buy the Bucks. I am not going to overlook Tom Brady without wide receivers. Um, I think Mike Evans comes back by the playoffs. Leonard Fournette has just gone on IR, so he's going to be done for the rest of the regular season, but I think his hamstring might be better uh, by the playoffs. But, yeah, Chris Godwin is a devastating injury for that team. So much so that they uh, head coach Bruce Arians has gone back on his one mistake and Antonio Brown is gone. Well, Antonio Brown is back with the club despite despite potentially facing federal charges for fraud of of, uh, making the fake vaccine card. So, uh, that's pretty interesting, but the Cardinals to me are the bigger concern because for the two years of positive positivity under Cliff Kingsbury, they've kind of faded down the stretch. They faded down the stretch last year and they started off this season as, you know, seven and oh, and then they were, um, you know, nine and two, 10 and two, and now they've lost the two games in a row. Now, nothing wrong with losing to the Los Angeles Rams quality team, divisional game, no problem, but they got trucked by the Detroit Lions, who are an abject failure of an organization. (laughs) Annually, perennially, however you want to phrase it, all the time, the Detroit Lions suck, and they beat them by 18 points. And to that effect, the Cardinals were road warriors. Not only were they undefeated on the road up until that point, they had won every game by double digits on the road. They had beat Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Rams, Cleveland, San Francisco, Seattle, and Chicago, all by at least 10 points. And then the magic just ran out. So we know that Arizona is now functioning without DeAndre Hopkins for the rest of the season. They appear to have these chinks in their armor. The Rams have caught them record-wise. So they're now tied atop the NFC West. And I have a feeling that the Cardinals are going to end up in fifth place as the top wildcard seed. And if that means they're going to be facing the Rams or the Buccaneers, I don't see them going into either one of those venues and winning. So for all of the I mean, the number one seed throughout the majority of the season, not just in the NFC, but in the entire NFL, the best record, the last undefeated team, et cetera, et cetera. I think that they are the most vulnerable of the top five teams in the NFC right now. 
Coming up, we'll look at the next game, Cowboys, Washington football team. We'll look at the spread. KD nailed his five-unit wager last week on the Cowboys. We'll see if he can do it again right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Dallas Cowboys favored 9.5 points and the total sitting at 47.5. I'm on the under 47.5 here. This is a pros versus Joes game as more money has been on the under, but more bets have been placed on the over. Typically in sports betting, it's wise to follow the money, especially when it's counter to the public. Also, Cowboys offense has regressed. They've hit the under in seven of the last eight games. And Washington's offense just isn't that good. They've hit under in seven of the last nine games. Nate, how are you betting this Washington-Dallas game? I'm rolling with Dallas by 10 or more. Washington is still banged up, has players on the COVID list, and has the league's second-worst third-down conversion rate for opponents. With Dallas tied at 11-3 and for the best covering teams in the league, I'd rather bet against them than for them. Also, they started up 24-0 in these two teams' first matchup. Give me Dallas by 10. That was your Typico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, my man, the Cowboys are another uh, big favorite, KD, at home. Ten and a half point favorites. Uh, again, you hit your big you, you hit your big wager last week against the uh, Giants. We really went on the, uh, out on a limb uh, last week picking uh, the Cowboys to roast <laughs> those Giants. Uh, another division rivalry game. These games can often be tough to predict, right? But do you like Dallas to cover another heavy double-digit spread in this one? Uh, this time they're at home, right, against the Washington football team. Yeah, uh, I, I really felt confident about the Cowboys being able to cover. I think it was 10 and a half by the time that we spoke last week. I, I was very, very confident about that. Not so much this week. It's just something about playing Washington at home. Um, I really want to see how they recover. The rest of these guys recover from the COVID list, how they deal with coming back from you know playing on a Tuesday as opposed to playing on a Sunday and getting the full week's worth of rest. The game is on Sunday night, so I guess you get another 12 hours worth of uh, consideration um, when it comes to trying to heal back. But I don't feel as confident in the Cowboys exploiting Washington in this game as I did them exploiting the really, really bad Giants team. Um, so I would probably say, what, what, what's the current spread right now? What's it looking like right now on Typico? Ten and a half. Ten and a half again. I think they can – I wouldn't be surprised – if they won by more by double digits by eleven points or more, but I'm not going to say the same five unit wager yeah, this, as I did last week. This sounds like a one, one unit. Yeah, I put <laughs> one unit. Yeah, this is a one unit where you don't feel too bad if you get it wrong. I you know, put it in a parlay that could, you know, double your increase your chances of a big payout type of thing. But I, I don't feel as confident in this game as I did the Giants game because I I, th- I just think the Giants are one of the three or four worst teams in the league. And that was just going to be a walk walkthrough. I think Washington has more fight. It'll be interesting to see who's going to be at quarterback. Uh, if it's my guy, Gilly Glocks, Garrett Gilbert, <laughs> um, who played uh, in, in the game on Tuesday, or if uh, 
Mr. Heineken himself is back under center. Uh, so that that has a lot to do with it. But yeah, I, I would probably right now just put one unit on 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 the Cowboys covering that ten and a half. Yeah, Gilbert played on Tuesday night and he did not play well. <laughs> let's just let's just put it no, out there. He, he did not. He did not play well. I, you know, but I mean, he had no practice. There was there was right, no practice right. for that guy. So you know, maybe that that's the other. You know, if he if he got the experience of the game, so if they practice, you know, day off today, if they practice walk through on Friday, maybe they do some practice on Saturday before they fly. I, I don't even know how they get some work in for that guy if he has to start again. So it, it, it's a tough situation when you're when you're dealing with COVID this late in the year. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Things are just changing daily. Um, you know, another. Another thing, I'm a little surprised. I mean, Cowboys, Washington football team, I get it, rivalry, uh, two big markets. But those, you know, that game, Katie, keeps the Bills Patriots, my Patriots Bills, at the 1 o'clock window on the East Coast, right? They didn't flex this one down. Mm. Washington versus Cowboys, greater than Patriots Bills. How about that? Well, I mean, we all know that the Cowboys <laughs> move the meter. There it is. The Cowboys move the meter in the NFL. Um, you know, it's why the refs are against us. They like to keep our games close. Uh, they don't really care about the results, but they do make calls to keep the games close. Uh, and, and they like to see people tuned in until the end, and the Cowboys will definitely keep eyeballs on them. Uh, it'll it'll be a very interesting weekend across the, across the league to see how things shake down. But, yeah, that, that is true. That, that would seem to be a great matchup that could be fast. But at the same time, maybe CBS protected that game above all else. It's well, possible, no, it's a yeah. one o'clock game, so they didn't. Yeah, one, yeah they yeah. didn't even flex it to the to the late afternoon game. So I don't know, crazy things in the league right now. I'm, as a fan, I'm happy. Let's just do it at one p.m. Let's just do it. Let's just get it over with. Let's, let's get, play. get it over. Let's with. play, yeah. man. Let's play. So, hey, man, appreciate you as always. Have a great holiday weekend. All right. Hope hope that uh, hope the best for you and the fam. All right, my guy. Same to you and yours. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.